The Man in Line with Andy Wint. Master my good afternoon. Welcome to Man in Line on Manx Radio, Friday lunchtime. Good to have you along. Text 166177, WhatsApp 166177, email studio at manxradio.com. Call 661368. So you heard in the news today, apparently horse trams for cruise ship visitors are possible despite the published timetable. This comes along in the middle of this weird dynamic in that, well, August last year, the largest ever cruise ship visited the Isle of Man. It did so on a day when horse trams weren't operating. And everybody looked at each other and said, why? led to questions over why the trams weren't in use on a day when it was known there'd be more than 2,000 passengers exploring the Isle of Man. This year's railway timetable has been published. Once again, the trams aren't scheduled to operate on Monday or Tuesday outside of road racing events. So when they talk about joined-up government... You, you wonder what they mean. And I just wonder if you have any thoughts on this. Now, put aside the fact that you may or may not think the horse trams are worth it. Some people think we should just get rid of the horse trams because they cost money. And if it costs money, well, it can't be worth it, surely. A lot of people are very attached to the horse trams and think world-renowned, only one in the world, we should keep them. And in particular, we should keep them when people are visiting the Isle of Man. Otherwise, it's just a picture on a piece of paper. So what do we do? At some point, somebody in government is going to say, well, this costs money and it's going to have to be paid for. But we know that. But we pay public servants and we pay politicians to come up with solutions, not to ask us questions. Anyway, any thoughts on this? Get in touch. Text, email, call and WhatsApp. And uh, Julian's first on today. Hi, Julian. Hi, Andy. Nice to hear you back. How are you doing? Oh, better than I was, thank you. Well, I was kept at bay by the steam packet for a few days, let back and got yeah. this got this winter bug. Well, if I had the right licence, I'd have picked you up in the Ben. Oh, right, thanks. Okay. <laughs> um, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, in fact, I think it's two weeks in the day or something, um, a full electric double-decker bus caught fire and burned to the ground on Wimbledon Hill in London. Yes, I remember it. Right. Uh, well, two more. The day after that happened, um, a hybrid diesel electric double-decker bus burned to the ground in North Woolwich, uh, East London, and finally, yesterday morning at 20 past eight, an electric uh, single-decker bus caught fire in the uh, Putney bus garage in uh, southwest London. So that's three electric buses have burned out within two weeks. Um, and going along with a similar theme, yesterday in Chesterfield, Missouri, a Chrysler Pacifica electric van caught fire at uh, Kristen Ellie Hawkins' house, uh, almost burning the house to the ground. But luckily, their nine-year-old son smelled burning plastic and alerted his parents. Um, the EV had been serviced by a Chrysler main dealer less than two months earlier. 
Um, and similarly, um, an EV fire in Colorado, a Jaguar I-Pace um, went on fire at uh, half past seven in the morning in Centennial in Colorado. Um, luckily, the home's fire alarm uh, alerted the family. They jumped out of bed and evacuated the home, which was extensively damaged by fire. Um, in other news, it's interesting to note that Hertz Rent-A-Car is selling off its entire fleet of 20,000 Teslas in favour of normal uh, internal combustion engine vehicles um, following feedback from all its customers. Um, Ford is stopping production of EV vehicles following quarterly losses. This is quarterly losses in its EV division of $1.3 billion with a B. Uh, so I, I guess that Ford even can't really afford losses like that. So do we do we put this down as teething troubles for a new industry? Is it bad planning? Is it the beginning of the end or the end of the beginning? Well, if you look in the recent times, they've really electric buses have only just got started. I mean, really since 2021, when Go Ahead London started. But in California, uh, the electric bus manufacturer, Proterra, has um, gone through uh, bankruptcy now. Um, now, they had a, a government bailout late 21, but that now obviously failed. And this followed several electric bus fires on uh, San Jose's uh, transport company, VTA, um, with multiple um, buses burning to the ground and several public calls for the vehicles to be shelved. So they're currently looking for, um, for, for uh, replacement ordinary diesel buses. However, kind of counterintuitively in North Carolina, because of a climate change grant, 114 electric school buses are currently being deployed to replace the existing diesel fleet across 11 districts in North Carolina. So there's school buses, 114 of them. Um, I also noticed something interesting, and I don't know if it will apply ever here um, for the boat, but um, IATA, uh, the um, International Air Transport Association, uh, they've just published their 2024 lithium battery guidance document. Um, and they're saying that vehicles... Um, powered by batteries exceeding 100 watt hours. And, you know, for example, Emirates are always bringing these uh, fancy cars over to uh, London for, um, you know, for some of the young uh, Emiratis who bring their cars to fly up and down um, in central London. Yeah. Um, they're saying that from January 1st, 2025, no vehicle can be transported by air that shows a charge state above 25%. So if you extract that, if that applies at some point to maritime, that could mean that in the wintertime, if you've got your heaters on in a car, leaving the island, say you need to get down to London or Scotland or something, you might only be legally allowed to have 30 miles of range in your car. And then if you go to a public charger, you're going to have to wait about 10 to 12 hours to recharge it unless you're lucky enough to find an expensive um, hypercharger. I think this will all be um, adjudicated by the insurance companies, uh, Julian, because going back to problems with EV fires, there have been EV fires. I remember uh, this has got to be 15, perhaps, no, maybe about 15 years ago. I had a pal in North London who started importing Chinese scooters um, in North mm. London. It was very trendy for those little scooters. And um, the battery was underneath the seat. And he rented them out by the day. This was in uh, Chalk Farm in North London by Camden. And 
he suddenly get, got problems with these batteries getting very hot underneath people's nether regions. And yeah. indeed, one of them burst into flames and somebody, and there are lots of canals around North London, and somebody basically ran it into the canal because the darn thing was getting very hot and looked like it was going to set on fire. So yeah. at some point, uh, this is going to work itself out. Either the battery technology will become foolproof and fail-safe, or it won't. And I venture to suggest the people who will do this are the people who run the world, and they are insurance companies, Julian. Yeah, it's interesting, though, as we, as we said a little while ago, um, people are getting insurance quotes for EVs now that have gone up 10 times since that Luton Airport fire. So like me, I'm not sure if people are believing that it was a normal diesel that actually went on fire because it was the top floor of um, the second car park, the newer one, which had a company called Purple Parking that were doing concierge EV charging on the top floor. If you remember, somebody reported uh, that they'd seen a Tesla charging on, the cable was on fire to the, to the vehicle um, that morning. So it makes you wonder if... Um, <laughs> the insurance company knows something that we don't for sure. And, of course, it's gone very quiet on that report. There was never any, you know, pictures of the vehicle afterwards or anything. It just went all very, very quiet. But the one thing you notice, I mean, some people say, oh, well, you know, it's very rare in comparison. But once they're on fire, it's a very big difference once they go on fire. And I'm always minded of the boat. It's not like, I mean, like the Putney um, fire, for example, or the Chrysler Pacifica that went on fire in the, in Missouri yesterday, they tow the vehicle out into the into the open so that it doesn't set fire to everything else. You haven't got that luxury on the boat. And also, of course, you've got cars. I mean, you know, we've all been, you've just come off the boat. How tightly packed were they? Absolutely jam-packed. When I came back on the overnight boat yesterday, you couldn't swing a Manx cat anywhere. And I don't know if they're, I mean, whether or not you noticed, but are they loading electric vehicles, you know, on a certain part of the boat and nowhere else? Or are they just um, mixed all around? I wonder. Interesting. But uh, as I say, at the bottom of all this, remember, there will be underwriters who have to answer to the insurance company. The insurance company, the carrier, will, you know, the, those underwriters are employed to minimize risk. And the whole thing about insurance is risk management. And when the risk becomes too big, they will simply say no. Yeah. And I think perhaps with Hertz getting rid of 20,000 Teslas and Ford stopping EV production, perhaps the writing's on the wall even now. We'll see. All right. Have a good weekend, Julian. Thanks for calling today. You, you too, Andy. Cheers. All right. Take care. Uh, we were talking about the horse trams and this year's railway timetable has been published. Once again, the trams aren't scheduled to run on a Monday or a Tuesday outside road racing events. John Moss spoke to the infrastructure minister, Tim Crookall. We've already had the conversation uh, with the guys down at the team there and hopefully they'll work with visit agency and, and the cruise line people and uh, hopefully we'll be able to sort that this year. I mean, and even for a morning, if, if you yeah, know there's a cruise line coming, a big one, absolutely. put it Why on for the morning. We, we know people come in to see our transport, heritage transport, and, that, and that's part and parcel of it. And, uh, you know, if we can do that and make that happen, we will do. If... Yeah, I mean, there was always... Can you ifs not tell us that it will happen, because it's important? Well, there's always ifs and buts, and it's down to numbers and things, but, you know, it'll certainly be much better than last year, hopefully, because we, we know there was a big criticism of it, of it last year. Hear those words? If, hopefully. 
if and hopefully. So if we have an enormous cruise liner that turns up planned, planned by Visit Isle of Man, we attract people, they get brochures, tell them about all our heritage, all about the Manx National Heritage, about the Lady Isabella, going to the Calf of Man, and also our unique, unique, world-rated heritage transport system, component part of which, our famous halfway horse tram. And if on the day we don't have the people, apparently our visitors can go and whistle. Howard's on now. Hi, Howard. Hey, Randy. Yes, you're quite right. That seems to be the attitude, particularly. And he seems to be coming a little bit arrogant, Tim Krukow. It's a holier-than-thou attitude he's got at the moment. And those horse trams should be programmed to run every day, uh, regardless. Um, Everybody else has to go out and work. And I don't think the horses are objecting. It's just that it was their day off last year. I don't know who consulted on that, whether they've got a union or not. But that was farcical, and it was facetious by the government, the government representatives, to say that thing. Uh, so it's about time they got that act into gear and made, well, the horse tram should run the full length of the problem. We all know that. But if we've only got half a one at the moment, they should be running it every day, regardless. Uh, because they say that um, the covered trams, they can sit on them. The horses don't mind getting wet. The skin is waterproof. And, um, you know, this is the stupid part of this government. They're on fancy ideas, yet the basics of what is our heritage and our tourism, and there they are saying, let's, uh, let's get another 500,000 people here. The thing is, Howard, our tourism, I mean, certainly to the people who come here, our heritage is absolutely fascinating. People love it. People, people from yes, across are fascinated by the difference of the Isle of Man, the difference that makes us different to everybody else. Yeah. Now, it may be that you know, familiarity breeds contempt, and some people don't like the idea of it, but lots of people do. So, Well, these people that's complaining about the trams, etc., are they the ones that's going to complain when everything's gone? The self-same people, uh, they shout loud and loud and loud, and then when the things do disappear, they suddenly find, oh, hell, be careful what you wish for. But anyway, that's not what I come off. I was listening to, to Julian just come in the house, and um, the electric vehicles charging, etc. Um, <clears throat> I noticed that there are several in the Chester Street car park and the one down by Barclays Bank. The um, not the Marks, but that one anyway. There's charging points in there, and people disappear then, and they're not with the vehicle, so there's no control of it. It's plugged in, and they go for two or three hours. God knows where they go to. But there's a bit of a controversy on in South London, the moment Southwark, and they're wanting to build a multi-billion pound um, apartments and shopping and everything else, a new shopping mall. But the controversy is, underneath that... They want an underground charging point for 190 buses. 190 buses? 100, look it up. It's on the uh, national news and everything. 190 buses. That's going to be a big fat cable, that is, isn't it? It will, yeah. Uh, Well, apparently, reading into it, it's going to be connected to the power source that's going to be supplying. And there's going to be over 7,000 people living in these uh, these apartments above. So what chance have they got of getting uh, insurance on their property? 
because it'll be a God love it, it'll be a Grenfell all over again, but uh, ten times worse because the source of the heat and the source of the fire is going to be underground. Now, what do you say, Howard, to... uh, There will be some people who say, well, look, come on, this is the future. This is the way we're going. We just have to work with the technology, and at some point it will all become fail-safe and foolproof. Well, Airbus, um, I don't know if you remember, and quite a number of years ago now, there was a Boeing aircraft sitting in one of the larger airports in the UK. Nobody on it, apart from a couple of cleaners, uh, passengers, all everybody was off. It was just sitting there waiting for its next uh, turn, and they were in cleaning. And in the tail part where it joins the fuselage, there was smoke emitting, smoke coming out, and it was one of these lithium batteries, and it spontaneously combusted in the tail end of the aircraft. And they couldn't put it out. The people on board couldn't put it out. They did obviously get the airport fire service in, and they did manage to uh, sort it out. But I remember, and their, uh, what is, what's that, oh, the Airbus, they said they will not put these lithium batteries in uh, aircraft like that until such times that they found that they were safe. Now, I don't know what the situation is now, but... Um, they are noted for um, um, risk of fire because, well, you know yourself, I, I build model boats and some of the boys had these lithium batteries for their fast electrics and you used to be able to buy an envelope that would highly recommend that you put the batteries in while you were charged in case of risk of fire. But this one is, is farcical to build these apartments on top of this uh, and they say they're double-decker buses, 190 of them going underground. There's no way the fiber service will get into there. And um, there is, it's, it's under question at the moment whether it's going to go ahead. But the electric vehicles, uh, they should be charged out in the open. And um, the likes of Chester Street, you go in there now, they only have to see what happened to, that was at Luton Airport, Marks and Spencer's, I don't know where the show is proved because I never use that. But they should be out in the open if they're going to be charged. Okay. All right. Thanks, Howard. Take care. Bye now. All right. It's uh, 25 past 12 on Manx Radio. And if this is the uh, political future, if this is the way that if electric vehicles are going to be commonplace, de rigueur, then, and we'll all have them, we have to have a network on the Isle of Man whereby uh, they can be charged simply, easily cheaply for that matter but I don't know whether you remember it was a couple of years ago that uh, the people who built those uh, lavish flats on the old majestic hotel site Dandara said that the electrical system up there simply won't support it that they can't put so if trendy upper class majestic court can't have chargers because the electrical system won't support it and to retrofit it presumably will cost hundreds of thousands of pounds now if they can't do it and if lots of the posh flats on douglas promenade as has been said can't do it what price the rest of us 
Who's going to have to pay to put electric chargers in for you and for me, people who live in flats, people who live in terraced houses, in places like Upper Douglas, in terraced houses in Port Erin, in Peel. Imagine Stanley Street in Peel trying to get some electric chargers in there. Who will come up with an idea of what we should do? Well, hopefully, uh, we'll be talking to um, Lamara Crane. In fact, we will. Lamara Crane is the leader of the Green Party on the Isle of Man. Lamara Crane is on next Thursday on Manx Radio, and we'll talk about the plans that the Green Party has for the Isle of Man. She's the new leader of the Green Party. On Monday, Douglas East MHKs, because we're halfway through the Canon administration, halfway through we're going around every constituency to talk to the MHKs. And on Monday, Douglas East MHKs, Claire Barber and Joni Farragher will be on. On Wednesday next week, Rob Cowell, a commissioner from Ramsey, will be on talking about things from the north and perhaps about that possible expansion of Ramsey. That's uh, next week. Oh, and also, because we are 60 years of age, I don't know whether you knew, but we are 60 years old this year, uh, every Friday there's an archive interview, and this week we're talking about the Rolling Stones on the Isle of Man in the 1960s, and some doyens of Manx Society, two former MHKs, will be on Jeff Cannell, the late Jeff Cannell, and Bernie May will be on talking about, and also Manx Radio Royalty, Charlie Webster. Before the news at one, Manx Radio, in the archive, the Rolling Stones came to town. Looking for the perfect gift for your foodie friends and family? Look no further than woodburndeli.im, your go-to online haven for culinary delights and thoughtful presents. At Woodburn Deli, we offer everything from speciality spirits and wines to artisanal cheese and charcuteries. Step inside and explore perfect gifts and treats for you or your loved ones. Not to mention our selection of hand-packaged hampers. Vouchers available too. Just visit woodburndeli.im. Sarah always admired her father's strength, but as years went by, she noticed subtle changes. His once sharp memory began to fade. Dad, you forgot our Sunday lunch again. With Man Benham, Sarah found a way to ensure her father's assets and dignity remained protected. Now I know Dad's future's secure, no matter what. Protecting tomorrow's peace of mind today. Learn more at manbenham.com or call us on 639 350. Come on. Oh, not again. We need to go to Afon. They only do Nissan. Oh, don't be daft. They service and repair all makes and models. Huh. Main dealer prices, though. Our Nathan says it's not just about the cost per hour, as what one technician does in three hours, Athol might do in one. And you get a courtesy vehicle. Ah, look at that. Told you we needed to come to Athol. Oh, be quiet and drive. In 1964, Manx Radio was born. Ah! Right the way through this momentous year, we are marking the nation station's 60th birthday. On Monday and Friday, the Man in Line closes with a revealing dip into the archives. On Wednesday's Man in Line, we revisit the architectural gems revealed over the years by Kelly's Eye. And Kelly's Eye will be on Gullah's Gargan at 5 on Sunday. And you can subscribe to all of our anniversary content online. Go to the podcast series 60 Years Serving the Nation at manxradio.com. Manx Radio at 60. Born to broadcast. Happy to help. The Man in Line with Andy Wint. And uh, David's with us now. Hi, David. 
Hi, Andy. Um, just to um, give people a bit of a heads up on uh, park, and especially for commercial vehicles in Douglas, um, if you're trying to work on the prom on an apartment or hotel or something, and it's really difficult to park now because of all the loss of parking. But what you used to be able to get is a scratch card and it was £10 and it lasted for 10 days and you scratch off your day and your date and put it in your windscreen and you could park. Now, yesterday I phoned up um, the test centre and I said, are they still doing them? He said, yeah. I said, have you got any? No, we're getting them next week. Fair enough. So I said, uh, just out of curiosity, how much are they this year? And he said, £60. For the same 10 cards. Exactly. So if you've priced a job on the prom and you're going to have three vans there for so many months, that is a massive expense that nobody has built into the price because nobody knows. £60? For the same 10 tickets, yeah. It was £10, a pound a ticket. It's now £6 per ticket. But what I'd like to know is, can Manx Radio find out, not the department or head of department who sanctioned this can we have a name and then when we come to vote next time if that name appears at the ballot box people know what to do and did they say when i mean so this is it's been what a pound a time up until up until now now yeah and what they're doing they're waiting for the new tickets to come in Right. Uh, which will be midweek, next week, they told me. Uh, I dare say you can use your old ones and you them up. Uh, and then it's, um, it's just, if you go up there and you want to buy 10, it's going to cost you 60 quid in case of a tenner. And where do they think people are getting this money from? Madness. Well, and, um, I mean, what's the? have you spoken to anybody else about this in the trade? Uh, well, a few people, yeah. One, one guy, he's just, well, he's ready to start... Uh, in this month on the prom he's got three lads all got vans and he said now the parking costs have gone through it's gone into thousands of pounds now if he's there for 12 months he reckons he'll be there for 10 but you know when things go on he might yeah, be there yeah. for 12 so you take the parking charge over the 10 months say that's thousands of pounds which he hasn't priced for but why don't they, why don't they let people know give us some advance warning of exactly if they'd said six months ago this was going to happen you could have factored this you in build it in Built it into your price, of course. Yeah. You could, yeah. yeah. All right. Well. Uh, just a brief, a brief word. Last time uh, Julie Edge was on, she said that she was pleased with the progress up at the college. You know, when I was talking about gas and oil training. Yeah. So I phoned the college, and they were quite bewildered about the comments. Um, they've been emailing uh, the education department to find out what's going on, and they're not getting the emails replied. And just out of curiosity, I phoned the company that used to do the training here, a company called EDS. And I spoke to a chap there, and he said, well, it'll be 18 months ago now. He said, 18 months ago, we had a telephone conversation with the Department of Education, who was running it, and then they followed it up with an email. They didn't get a return phone call, and they didn't get a response to the email. And what they suggested was that they could come back to the island, upgrade the training centre, and get it up and running. But nobody even bothered to respond to their, their request. Well, well, well. And what's this company called again? EDS. And what's happening now as well at the college, when apprentices, because it's four years now, four years this month till I got that letter, apprentices are leaving the college not fully qualified. So they're not classed as a tradesman, they're classed as an improver. Right. So 
to try and upgrade yourself from an approver to a tradesman is quite difficult on an island where you haven't got the training facility. So, uh, you, so they, if they come out as an improver, how do they get? Yeah. How do they upgrade? How do they get more qualifications? They have to go off the island. Well, it, it becomes a nightmare then because because you've got no gas training background because they can't give it over here. You've then got to go and work for a company that will give you the gas training background. Then you've got to go over. And it's very difficult to start on the course if you've not got a full working knowledge of the gas industry because right. it's, an, it, it's a couple of weeks course just to get your head around it, to get assessed. Well, so you'd have to probably go off the island for a month. But this would seem counterproductive if we're supposed to be training well, people. Yes. And... and not only we, you've got to go off islands to do your gas and your oil, now that renewables are coming on stream, there's nothing here. So you've now got to go off the island again to get qualified to do the renewables. Would you think to just have a centre of excellence up the college where you could do everything without having to get on the boat? Okay. Jersey's just, Jersey's just opened a brand new college over there to do all the renewables. So any tradesman or apprentice... On, the, on Jersey can go to this college, get upgraded, get qualified and go to work. But what have we got to do? We've got to get on that boat, get your van in the, on the boat and go and find someone in the UK. Madness. Absolute madness. OK. All right. I appreciate okay, that. You, Thanks. Have a good weekend. All right. All right. So 20, 25 to 1 now on Manx Radio. I've got a note in from Marty and Kurt Michael who just said you were talking yesterday about getting stuff for the care homes, the health and care sectors as well. Because we heard Summerhill View residential homes nearing completion, uh, while a Jersey-based care group's currently on island looking for staff as it prepares to open a nursing home in Port Erin later this year. So are there enough people to work in these facilities? Uh, a note also from Fru. Hi, Fru in Port Erin, who just said... Uh, where are we going to get the people to work? You mentioned yesterday that there's a seven-star high-class care home that's going to be opening soon. I don't think it's soon. It's not even been built yet, but these are the plans. And care homes will become even more prevalent. So how do we find out? How do we find out who's going to work there? Has somebody in government got a, a plan that they haven't told us about? Christian Jones from Manx Radio News has been looking at it. In order to train staff, you have to recruit them first. Something we continually hear is challenging in both the public and private sectors. Kerry Powell is from the LV Care Group, who explains their recruitment drive is just getting started. From nurses to healthcare assistants to senior healthcare assistants uh, to chefs, head chefs, kitchen assistants cleaners, um, administrators. So it's a real wide variety of jobs that are there that are available. No formal qualifications are needed for some roles, but candidates with integrity are favoured more highly. It's a passion of LV Care Group to actually grow our staff, uh, train our staff. Um, we're, very, we're very lucky. We've got the LV Care Academy, um, which is a training arm, a digitalised uh, version uh, online, which we're able to give access to all our staff. So, as Tracy said, we don't expect individuals to to um, have the actual qualification. We can we can teach that through Care Academy or through one of our third party providers. We very much like to grow our own 
Um, so we work closely with the colleges. It's about nurturing the staff and employees over in the islands. We will use third-party providers to bring people in from overseas if we need to, but we would like to have a real mix of individuals to work with our residents. So is it likely the privately owned Bradview nursing home will be ready to open its doors in June? Well, in short, it could depend on this recruitment drive. But the company adds although it's able to accommodate 72 people, the facility will be opened in stages. Now, if you want to find out more, there is a recruitment roadshow taking place at St Catherine's Hall in Port Erin from 2 until 7 on Monday. Well, it would appear the crunch is coming. When the man in line's not on air, call Manx Radio to leave your opinion for broadcast on 682 631. Are you a reluctant landlord? Tired of tenant hassles? Cursed by constant maintenance? Tormented by empty properties producing no rent? Want to escape these worries or get out altogether? At Prime Lettings, we understand your pain and have bespoke solutions to release you from these problems. Ring us on 616 707 for a free confidential chat. Prime Lettings. We're on call and on the ball at 616 707. They've got your whole house in their hands. When you need scaffolding DPM on time and on budget DPM will beat any quote DPM we do it all at DPM DPM promise to beat any like for like scaffolding quote by 10% so when you need scaffolding call the friendly experienced DPM scaffolding team on 6-1-2000 T's and C's apply we do it all at DPM he'll help keep your garden looking fine He makes it easy and he saves you time He'll take your grass, he's Johnny Trash Tired of endless trips to the tip? Fortnightly curb collections from Johnny Trash The eco-friendly way to deal with garden waste Sign up and get your three bin at johnnytrash.im Or text your address to 477767 He'll take your grass, he's Johnny Trash Chris Pearson, the Sunday chill out Chance to chill Sunday night from seven. The man in line with Andy Wint. It's nineteen minutes before what? Tony B's with us. Hi, Tony. How you doing, Andy? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I'm... to hear you made it back. <laughs> I know. I know. You it didn't was... get to ride around the North Sea in shelter, did you? <laughs> no, I didn't. It was. Uh, it was. It was. Uh, it, it was almost like being held hostage. Every time we, yeah. I got a, I got a message from the steam packet saying it's been cancelled. It's been cancelled. Well, I, I, there's two things I, I find strange about that. The steam packet had their brand new ship out running around the North Sea, or sorry, the Irish Sea, to shelter, and they had the Ben McCree sitting in port. So why is it that that has to go and shelter and the Ben McCree does not? That would be a question I'd ask. And is that to do with the fact that it's so big it blows away somewhere? It, right over the seawall? I don't know. I've no idea. I just, I just find it hard to believe. The steam packet is not very good at explaining things. Anyway, that's not what I called about. 
I think the steam packet is, uh, if this vessel can sail, and it seems to be able to sail in 50 mile an hour gusts now, which is a good thing. Don't get, don't get me wrong, I'm, I think it's heading in the right direction. I'm not sure about how long it'll last, but we'll see. Maybe they're learning how to drive it, which is a bit worrying. Um, what I called for, I, am, I, I, don't know, I didn't listen to all of Julian's, but I, I'm following on from the electric, we must have drive electric cars, etc., etc. There was an announcement by the British government that they were going to push back the 2030 date, I think, for no diesel and petrol cars and net zero and all the rest of it. I thought you just want to push it back five years or more. And I see also that Europe is now thinking about doing the same, probably for the same reasons. Um, and our minister, our chief minister, the bloke in charge, when that was announced, said, oh, we'll have to think about that. <clears throat> now, I don't believe in rushing people, especially in the Manx government, because they can't do anything very quick. But it would seem that he's been thinking about it for a couple of months now and still no answer as to what they're going to do. Um, and it would make sense that we would align with the UK, surely. Or are we going to be different because we're in the lead? We're a, a leading nation in clean energy. The fact we're 80,000 of us versus a billion, several billions population in the world is a bit ridiculous. But there you go. Any thoughts on that? Or have I missed the announcement that we're going to push it back? No, I've not heard that. You, know, you and me both, then. So I guess if anybody from the government is ever listening to this programme, we may or may not get an answer because I expect it's going, It's not allowed under freedom of information either. It'll be one of the specials that you can't have that on information because it's secret. Just a thought. All right. When are we going to wake up? All right. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for calling Take today. Take care. All the best, Andy. All <laughs> Good the best. to hear Take from care. you. Bye. Yeah, sometimes you get the feeling that one day we will all wake up and it'll have all been a dream. David's on now. Hi, David. Hi, Andy. Great to see you back, mate. Thanks. Listen, regarding uh, Summerhill Views, which I always call Glenside, and it was, it's been in construction now for about four or five years, what was the term in government uh, from the government departments about succession planning? Didn't you think they'd know transferring people from Retina Bay, some of them would be over over those five years, who are going to retire? Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm amazed I heard the story on, on Manx Radio was saying that the healthcare uh, arm's length uh, company are now negotiating, going to go ne negotiate the contract for the running of it. But wait a minute. Didn't we buy Salisbury Street? Yep. Uh, a company built it. There was a no negotiated contract between the developer and the Alamand government and health service and whatever, because I was there at the time. All you've got to do is adapt it. Why? How is it going to take a year? And why is healthcare putting out a contract that may be costing, I don't know, for average, say, 60000 for a contract for something we've already got and we can adapt and just colour the squares in. I, I'm just amazed at them, really. And the other is, issue, I'm talking as an individual, too, because I heard Wilf bang on. I wish he was in Onken, but never mind. Uh, regarding the issues regarding local authority, is sheltered accommodation. We have people in Onken, I'm aware of them, I know them personally, 95 years old, enjoying life, 
because we've given them an opportunity to come into somewhere where they can talk to people, have their own rooms, uh, a bit of care comes in, in and out to help. What happened to this thing about supporting people at home? Where's that gone? I wonder. I wonder. And the the other thing, I was talking to somebody, the wonders of the internet, who was in, who lives in Japan, and says in Japan, old people, David, are revered. They yeah. absolutely cherish old people in Japan. It's part of their culture. And when yeah. I was relaying some of the stories that we hear over this side, he said mm-hmm. it just wouldn't happen in Japan. It's not in their culture. Yeah, and the other issue is, a little gripe too, uh, the electricity's going up, Julie got it wrong, it is actually 30 now, and I'm involved with an organisation, we get 9p back on our panels, why can't the government, if they're putting it up, give us a bit more than 9p, give us 10 or 11, because we're helping on the grid, and as I said to you before, Andy, all those public buildings, all those schools, why haven't they got PV panels on, at least we're doing something. Okay, all right. have a good weekend. Bye. All right. Uh, can somebody, Ali says, can somebody please tell me why the DOI has decided to choose one of the busiest days not to run the trams? Cruise ship day, this is. In the grand scheme of government overspends, reducing the tram service for the season is ridiculous, and the savings are a drop in the ocean. Trams are one of our most important heritage offerings, or they were, to visitors and should run for the whole week. Good grief, says Ali. Is this a death by a thousand cuts? Thanks also. Lots of messages coming in today. Uh, there is a way that Manx Care can deliver on cost savings. Cutbacks. Well, there we go again. Everything's going to cost money. Money comes from you and me, the taxpayer. So the question is... What is going to happen? The timetable time says that the horse trams won't run on Monday and Tuesday this year. Last year it was only Monday. They complain the passenger numbers are lower, less service with only one tram operating. How can you increase numbers by reducing the service? You get the feeling that somewhere inside there, there is somebody in DOI who hates the horse tram. Simply just wants to get rid of the horse tram. Thanks to that texter. And also, uh, Ramsey looks shabby, does it, says Fred. But Douglas looks derelict and should be bulldozed into the bay. There are parts of Douglas that look absolutely spiffing. Uh, what used to be the old, I mean, where the Peveril Hotel used to be, there uh, is Lloyd's Bank and what have you, and Noah Bakehouse and what have you. That's very spick and span. Now, Sunterra looks absolutely lovely. There are some parts of Douglas that are gorgeous. It's just that there are some that we're used to that just look really, really shabby. And for that, on that point... On Monday, I know that Claire Barber and Joni Farragher, the Douglas East MHKs, have things to say about brownfield sites and derelict sites. So um, we'll find out on Monday when the Douglas East MHKs will be on. Uh, Every time I saw a horse tram last year, says Pat, it was always full. So how can they say that they aren't paying? Uh, thank you also to uh, the Luton Airport was a diesel, not an electric fire. 
however, if you list the numbers of cars, buses and vans that catch fire and burn out every day, it's a thousand times more than the number of electric vehicles that catch fire. So, uh, says uh, Texter 134, Julian's figure may be true, but uh, the uh, but the out of context it's out of context and exaggerates a point. Well, that's that's right. I mean, one, three, four, you're right. We're not comparing apples and apples. We're comparing apples and oranges. They may be shaped like a car, but an electric vehicle and uh, an internal combustion engine, they burn in different ways. And an electric vehicle fire may burn for a lot longer and may be more intense depending on how much gas uh, gasoline or diesel is is in the tank a diesel fire will be shorter and a petrol fire will be shorter and the emergency services know how to deal with them it's just that an electric fire just seems to be a lot hotter and the only thing you can do is put a blanket over it and just wait for it to burn itself out. Uh, firing foam and water onto it doesn't seem to do much. So they are different. I agree with you. They are different. It's just that there haven't been that many for us to put everything into context. And when we don't know all the information, people will jump to conclusions. A number of tram horses were left in the fields around the reservoir last summer. Can Tim Crockall explain why that is, says Isabel on 454. Uh, thanks also to uh, our politicians, this is 775, our politicians don't appear to be achieving any schemes of any sense. They're wasting money on reports for plans which the majority of people really don't want. Uh, more messages in to say, has the steam packet settled its issues with the officers? Is it still being run at arm's length by the government? It's still in negotiation, isn't it? The um, arbitration service, I think, is in that. Just an idea. Do we have a vintage bus we can transfer the cruise line passengers to the horse trams? That's the only way it will attract cruise line passengers. Waste of time. Otherwise, they won't walk to Broadway from the cruise ship, says Paul. I think, does, Manx, uh, does Alaban Transport still have that vintage double-decker painted in Douglas Corporation? Certainly, I think there's one at uh, the Jerby Transport Museum. I will never, says Gary on 91, I will never get on an electric bus or in electric cars. Governments and others are covering up how dangerous electric vehicles are. I've seen lots of coverage on TikTok, aha, and others, but never YouTube, as new YouTube has censored uh, this stuff and only a matter of time before a vehicle fire is on the ferry. Well, we hope not, Gary. That's, uh, don't tempt Providence. Daphne says, what happens if one of the electric vehicles catches on fire under the apartments? Will residents be able to escape safely? Bluntly, we don't know, because one hasn't yet. Will the new apartments at Tramway Terrace have EV charging points, <laughs> says Francis. No, maybe they'll have nosebags. Too much doom and gloom, says 023. Lots of things catch on fire. Anything with wires can start an electric fire. We live in houses with electricity and houses catch fire, but we don't stop living in them just in case. We need to get a grip, says MD. I'm just saying... 
And 223 says, Andy, hello, hello. The island is going to have serious problems with electric vehicles. Most of the townhouses or offices don't have the facilities or options to install chargers. As for charging from a townhouse or apartment, if they're going to charge on the roadside, they'd be breaking health and safety regulations if they dragged cables across the pavement. A very pertinent moot point, which we don't really ever get an answer from when talking to people uh, in authority about what to do with that. I mentioned next week, and it'll be interesting to see, Lamara, Lamara Crane has always got lots of opinions. She is the leader of the Green Party. Lamara's on Man in Line next Thursday. I mentioned also that Rob Cowell, Ramsey Commissioner Rob Cowell, is on Wednesday. And on Monday, the Douglas East MHKs, Claire Barber and Joni Farragher. We'll have something to say. Uh, no doubt we'll be talking about the bishop's vote. No doubt we'll be talking about Claire Barber's ministerial portfolio in DEFA. But if you've got any thoughts for Claire Barber and Joni Farragher, uh, call the answer phone on 682631 or email maninline at manxradio.com. It'll be really interesting to hear what you have to say to Claire Barber and Joni Farragher. sister dying bill is something that I know both of those MHKs have got an opinion on let's see if you've got any thoughts on the assisted dying bill again with uh, Joni uh, Ford have cut back production of some of the EVs they haven't stopped producing them says S in Onkum thanks also the call about continued lack of training facilities despite political spin shows how badly the government is running things that's it. We're back in the 60s with the Rolling Stones next. Thanks to Barry Redfern on the phones today. Have a great weekend. W I N T. 60 years serving you as the nation station. This is Max Radio. In the early 60s, a legendary band came to perform in Douglas, a band who extraordinarily are still in existence today. Like Manx Radio, the Rolling Stones have stood the test of time. Jeff Cannell, Charlie Webster and Bernie May, who played first with the Sinners and then the Falcons, got together to remember when the Stones came to town. In those days, the Palace Group had the policy of bringing over all the top groups. In fact, every top group in the country, with one exception appeared at the palace in, in that two-year period, and the, the one exception, sadly, was the Beatles. So, the Stones uh, were definitely there oh, twice, The Stones they? were there twice. I yeah. mean, they, they were absolutely magic nights. It, it was something that uh, I'm sure anyone uh, who's listening to the programme who was there will remember, and uh, it's something that you can never forget. The atmosphere those, on both of those occasions was absolutely electric. <laughs> I you were on stage then, were you? Oh yeah, we yeah. we were yeah. on stage. In fact, we we drew the short straw uh, because we we got um, informed that we had to play the half-hour spot immediately before the Stones appeared, 
and uh, believe you me when you go into the, a ballroom such as the palace which at that time was the biggest ballroom in Europe I think there were about eight and a half nine thousand people in there all screaming we want the stones we want the stones yeah and you were on a, a cage up around yeah. the, around the around the actual stage you know it was a, a terrifying experience really but we thoroughly enjoyed it and we went on we just turned everything up as loud as we could uh, made a noise for half an hour and got away from it and started. Charlie, were you there then, the Stones concert? I met the Stones <coughs> afterwards. Oh, in the, in here the, we go. In the casino, in the uh, breakfast room, remember? Oh, always one ahead of us. Mm. This wasn't I, a seven and six for breakfast. People. I was playing a lot of golf in those days with Freddie and the Dreamers, who was at that time appearing at the Crescent. It was a marvellous night. Part of Island Life for 60 years. This is your Manx Radio.